Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So like I said, we wanted to start our Bible study off with a pretty heavy question. And the question is, right, is life worth living? And you go, well, why would you ask that question? Well, listen, it's the same question that Solomon asked when he began our study way back in the book of Ecclesiastes. He actually asked that question. And so, and so let your minds go back for just a moment. As Solomon is experimenting and investigating, if you will, what we call life under the sun, remember that everything is under the sun, what Solomon did is he came to the conclusion that, you ready? Early on, no life was worth living. That's what he said. He kind of came to that conclusion. And that's why you and I made the joke that, hey, we're uh, not going to invite him over for dinner. He was really a Debbie Downer. Solomon, really, you just keep, nothing's new under the sun. Life's a bore. I can't believe this. And uh, you remember, uh, having him over, he gave us some um, basically four arguments to support what he just dis- declared. He gave us four arguments. So listen, early on, Solomon said, life is not worth living. And here's the argument. Argument number one, he says, because of the monotony of life, the monotony of life. Monotony means the lack of variety in wearisome constancy. In other words, he's saying life is boring. He says, when he looks, life is just really boring, the same routine every day. So Solomon says, no, thank you. I don't want to get up, go get my coffee, come back. He just said, life is boring. He says, is life worth living? No, life is boring. That's what Solomon said early on. He also gave us argument number two, which was the vanity of wisdom, the futility of wealth. He's going to talk about that. And then, of course, he talks about the certainty of death. So you have the monotony of life. You have the vanity of wisdom, the meaningless, the futility of wealth, and, of course, the certainty of death. But the Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And so Solomon, being the wisest man, I love what he does, guys. He revisits his arguments, but this time he does it differently. Now, you got to catch this. Okay, this is going to make a difference in your walks. Okay, so, so, so look at me. Early on, he's going, is life worth living? Early on. And no, life's not worth it. It's boring, man. Life is just the same old routine. But now he's going, okay, but, but because, because we're getting to the end of the book, he says, hey, I want to look at this a little bit different. And he's going to look at it, guys, and he's going to look at it a little bit different. This time he did it with the sixth sense. And I may, may I remind you what the sixth sense was. Go back in your minds when we started this book. The question we asked ourselves when we first started Ecclesiastes was, am I satisfied, right? Am I satisfied in life? Now, most people ask themselves this because they find themselves that they're unsatisfied in life. So I think it's very interesting because you would have that argument with God going, okay, is life worth living? Is life worth living? No, it's not worthy. The monotony, the certainty of death, life's a bummer. But then we come and we bring ourselves to the place where we go, am I satisfied? I'm not really satisfied in life. Why am I not satisfied? I should be satisfied. This is why God gave us this book. To remind us 
that satisfaction in life is not an external issue that can be appeased by having more stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, if I just had that, then I'd be happy. Oh, if I just had that, then I'd be happy. And I find it interesting that now, because of because of Christmas, a lot of our attentions are going to, oh, if I just had that, I'd be happy. And, and we're never satisfied. We're never, we're never satisfied. Why? Because satisfaction is an internal issue of the heart. That's where satisfaction comes. So, so we don't look at outward stuff to try to fill our satisfaction. We look deep down in our heart and we need to ask that question. Lord, why am I not satisfied? Why am I not happy? What's going on in my heart? What am I telling myself? What am I not telling myself? Well, remember, we walked and talked in detail about satisfaction and how it's only possible to the extent that we have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I say that with all of my heart because I think um, just my own experience throughout the past few uh, just months, I can see people and they claim to have a relationship with God, but they really don't. They don't have a relationship. You go, well, explain to me a relationship. Well, what's your relationship like? You see, because over in Psalm 16, David writes, he goes, man, listen, I, I, I went from, from praising Elohim, big God, to, to Yahweh, to Adonai, and he blessed us with a relationship. And so the question we've got to ask ourselves is, what's your relationship like? Is he, my God, your God, is he the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? This is like, yes. And I don't mean it's like, oh, thank God I made it through the night. <laughs> Praise God, I'm alive. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, oh, wow. Is your day filled with, Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? How can I share the, the beautiful gift you've given me? Hey, let me ask you this. I know it seems commonplace and cliche, but when was the last time you had a date with God? A date with God? What do you mean? I mean, when you got alone for an hour or so with God alone and you just hung out. You didn't ask him for anything, like Anthony's saying. We were, we didn't come. He's like, okay, God, I got you on a date, right? Yeah, go on. Can you imagine going on a date? Hey, hey, so let me ask you. Can you give me this? Can you give me that? Hey, what about this? What about that? God's like, really? That's why you asked me out? But I mean really having that relationship. Think about the relationship. Think about the relationship. Think about when you fell in love with your significant other. Think about that. And all you could do is think, I hope he calls. I hope he calls. I hope he texts. Oh, for us, we didn't have texts. We all we had was a corded. Well, my, I was a little bit older, so we we didn't have a cord. I finally went to cordless. But we sit there on the phone and and we would just talk. What would you talk about? Just talk about everything, nothing, right? Is that your relationship? Does that describe your relationship with God? You mean staying up all night and talking? No, but but yes. In the Word, praying. And so again, think about this. He says, man, the only way you and I are going to be satisfied in this life 
is, is to the extent of our relationship with God. And what we learned if we have five senses and they're, and all our five senses were always looking under the sun. Oh, how do I feel about that? What do I, all these five senses. But in order to have meaning and purpose, we have to develop a sixth sense. That sense is called faith. Faith. Now, the sixth sense has the power to take us beyond the sun and give us the ability to see what's beyond it, that sixth sense. Now, listen, saints, listen. We find the degree of satisfaction has a lot to do with perspective. Do you hear me what I'm saying? Our degree of satisfaction has a lot to do with perspective. I want you, in your mind's eye, to take a step back and see what kind of perspective do you have about life going on? What kind of perspective? How am I looking at this? Am I looking at it through through my relationship with Jesus? How? Because if we're being honest, we're approaching a time here in the month of December where people are not satisfied and won't be satisfied unless they have the right perspective. We find, listen, we find our degree of satisfaction and it has a lot to do with our perspective. So Solomon, now being wise, revisited his four arguments. And at this time, he does it with a sixth sense. He does it with faith in God. And what a difference that has made. And after looking at life as God is the center, he realized that life isn't um, monotonous. It's filled with challenging situations from God. It's not monotonous. It's not the same old, same old. Each in its own time, and, it, and it's for its own purpose. What's that? Well, yeah, it's that challenging situation from God. And then Solomon also learned that the wealth wealth that he talked about, remember, could be enjoyed and employed to the glory of God. That's what wealth is about. He looked at the life with with faith in God, and he realized through man's wisdom, he couldn't explain everything. And Solomon concluded that it's better to follow God's wisdom than to practice foolishness. And at last, but not least, you know what Solomon did? He discovered that although death was certain, there and there was no way to escape it, then what did it do? It motivated us to enjoy life and make the most of the opportunities God gives us. How's that? Yeah, here's what God is wanting us to do. He knows that life is certain, and he knows death is certain. And because death is certain, it motivates us to enjoy life. And why, oh why, oh why are we hanging on to drama in our lives? When we know, let it go, enjoy it, people are people, sheep are sheep. But, but, but this is exactly what he's saying. Man, the certain, listen to me, the certainty of death, the certainty of death should motivate us to enjoy life. Well, I can't enjoy life. Why? Because I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy. I can't, I, I got, <laughs> and we do all of this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 I, 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 Want to take the right perspective, put on the right, right set of glasses, say, okay, God, what do you, what do you want? How, how can I look at this? And so in God's word, that brings us to chapter 11. 
And what we need to understand is now chapter 11, Solomon is coming to the conclusion, and now he's going to show us four pictures of life. So he's got some wisdom, and so do we. So do we. And in each picture, we see some great insight and some application. So if you're taking note, don't mind if you do, if you're taking note, chapter 11 gives us two and chapter 12 gives us the other two. Let me give you the first two we're going to look at today. The first one is found in verses one through six. Jot this down. He's going to say, life is an adventure. Live it by faith. Life is an adventure. Live it by faith. This is what he's saying. And in verses seven through 10, he's going to say, life is a gift. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Life is a gift. Enjoy it. Next week, as we close out the book, he's going to remind us that life is a school. You learn your lesson. And then he's going to say, life is stewardship, fear God. So we have four of them, guys. Life is an adventure. Man, live it by faith. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And he's going to say, life is school, or uh, life is a gift. And how do we enjoy it? Okay, so let's jump into our study. Is life worth living? Absolutely, capital Y-E-S. As long as you have God at the center. As long as you have God at the center. Now, keep this in mind. These four pictures parallel the four arguments Solomon wrestled throughout the book. Okay? So, what's interesting is that early on in the book of Ecclesiastes, we wouldn't have Solomon over for dinner because he was a Debbie Downer. He was always talking about, man, life isn't worth living. Everybody's going to die. I don't even know why you're here. And, and he would say all these things and you'd be just like, man, I just asked you to pass the salt. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with you, Solomon? You know, he's like, what's the meaning of salt? It's just going to, it's all flavorless. And you're like, okay, honey, why did you invite him over anyway? Man. Well, I thought it'd be great conversation. Well, now you're going, oh, oh, okay, Solomon, come on in. Well, what are you going to say? He's going to say, okay, so here's the deal. He's going to say, number one, life, our lives, look at me, is an adventure. We need to live it by faith. It's not monotonous. It's an adventure. So I've got to stop and I've got to ask you, is your life an adventure? Every day. The people that God put, see, see, we, we, we've got to remember that God in our lives, we have such divine appointments that God keeps putting people in our lives that we're supposed to interact and, and share the love of Christ. Now, what I didn't say is that you go, okay, everybody I talk to, I'm going to win them to the Lord. I'll put them in a headlock. And if they don't accept Jesus, that's how I'm going to do this. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is this, you have divine appointments everywhere you go for the glory of God. And what we do, church, listen to me, we pull, we put little seeds in them, and then seeds begin to grow. And he, what's the cool thing is that you put a seed, and then somebody else waters. And they come in, and they water it, and they're like, hey, man, who is that, who is that person I talked to the other day? And then all of a sudden, you see him six months, a year later. Wow, you're a Christian. Wow, yeah, you were talking to me, and then da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So, so, life is an adventure. Now, remember his argument. His argument. He goes, life is boring. Life is predictable. Life is tedious. But now with God, he says, man, life is not any of those things. It's an adventure and I want to live it by faith. So how does he do that? 
Well, in chapter 11, Solomon is going to employ two activities to illustrate this point. Two activities. You ready? Number one, he's going to talk about the merchant. Jot that down. The merchant. Okay? That of the sending out ships. You're going to see that. And then, and then this is something you and I can relate to because he's going to talk about the farmer. The farmer. And living in West Texas, we see that we have a lot of farmers. And he's going to, what a farmer does is, is what? He's sowing his seeds. So let me ask you a question. If life is an adventure, how are we supposed to live it? By faith. Yeah. Again, if life is an adventure, how are we supposed to live it? Very good. You guys get A plus, all of you, on your homework. There you go. Why do I say that? Here's why. Listen. Because because both the merchant and the farmer require a great deal of faith. You go, how so? Listen, neither the merchant nor the farmer can control the circumstances. It takes a great deal of faith. So they got to have faith, right? Do you remember that song? Because they got to have faith, faith, faith. That's, that's basically what Solomon's saying. You got to have faith. So when it comes to having faith, well, I'm reminded of a story that's going to help us grasp this chapter. A story. You go, what's that? Well, it was about a priest and an evangelist and a minister. And a priest, an evangelist, and a minister were in a rowboat in the middle of a fishing pond. None of them had caught anything all morning. Then the evangelist stand up and says he needs to go to the bathroom. So he climbs out of the boat and he walks on the water to the shore. He comes back 10 minutes later the same way. The minister decides he needs to go to the bathroom too. So he climbs out of the boat, walks on the water to the shore. He too comes back the same way 10 minutes later. The priest looks at both of them, is shocked, decides that his faith is just as strong as his fishing buddies and that he can walk on water. So he stands up, excuses himself, steps out, and makes a big splash right into the water. The evangelist looks at the minister and says, I suppose we should have told him where the rocks were. Because they got to have faith, right? So let's look at number one. Let's look at the merchant, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 11, 1 and 2 says, Cast your bread upon the water, Solomon writes, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Your attention, please. The New Living Translation clarifies it just a little bit. Solomon says, send your grains and send out your grain in ships and your faith will be rewarded. Now, Solomon, if you remember, is involved in all kinds of trade. So this illustration was natural for him. He knew that it would be months before ships would return with their precious cargo. So when they did return, their faith was rewarded as in verse 2 suggests. Now, notice what he says, verse 2. Um, Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on earth. But let me take you back for just a moment. He says, set out your grain ships and your faith will be rewarded. Okay, what you need to write down, okay, you ready? Is that we live in such an instant world that we don't need faith. 
We want something to happen so fast, like, like, like seriously, how much faith do you need to make popcorn, right? Three minutes and 20 seconds, pop it in, they're done. Come on now. If you're, if you're older than, I won't say, you remember popcorn. You have to have faith, man. And if you, and if you had too much faith, you were eating burnt popcorn. That's what I'm talking about. But, but the point is, is, is this. Solomon knew, hey, listen, I'm going to send out a ship and I'm just going to wait. I'm going to trust. I'm going to be patient. And I think that's what's got to happen with us. There's got to be patience. And we, we live in such an instant world. And so, so how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you prayed in hoping God would answer immediately? I mean, boom. It's like, okay. Lord, I prayed. Well, you prayed 30 seconds ago. I haven't even had time to, I mean, we do that, don't we? But faith, guys, listen, faith, genuine faith takes patience and trust in God. Genuine patience, genuine faith takes patience. Because he's going to tell us something else. He says, give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Now, here's what I want you to do. Think about you invited Solomon over to your house. And he's sitting at the table, and, and, and of course, he's talking like in Proverbs, you know? He's just like, Solomon, can't you just say what you mean? Can't you just, I mean, seriously, you know? You don't have to tweet everything. Just, just tell me. But here's what he's saying. He said, divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. And isn't that true? Do not put all your eggs in one basket. He says, divide them. Put one here, but I think that's great wisdom. But this is what he's saying. He's saying that. He says, here's what he's saying. He says, divide them. Make sure you're investing here, a little bit here. He goes, you don't know what risk might lie ahead. And he says, for you do not know. And this is a key phrase. Why? Here's what it means. Man is ignorant of the future. No matter how many magic eight balls you can buy, it still can't tell you the future. Do you all remember the Magic 8 Balls? Do you remember that? Those were the coolest things, man. Man, many of a life was taken forward with that Magic 8 Ball. You know, it's like, does she like me? You know, and you'd shake it up. And he, here's the responses, right? The, the, the responses was, it is certain. It's decidedly so, without a doubt. Yes, definite. As I see it, Yes. Reply hazy, try again. I didn't like that one. Ask again later. My sources say no. Outlook not so good, very doubtful. And so, in other words, what, what Solomon is saying is, is with the investment, he's going, hey, hey, don't be shaking the eight ball. Hey, I, 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 ooh, uh, you don't know what the future holds. Does she really like me? Sign says no. Oh. Do you remember the, do you remember, I wonder, I wonder who remembers the, she loves me, she loves me not. Huh? Do you remember that? You, you got, you find a flower and you pick the ladies, no, you don't, you find a flower and the, and, and you'd walk by and you'd just be, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. Tiffany's looking at me like, I've never heard that before. Have you heard that, Tiff? Okay, and then you get to the end, and hopefully it's the one where she, you get to, she loves me, right? And then it's like, oh, flower's done, she loves me, and you're, and you're basing, anyway. The point is, don't put your eggs, all, this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. 
So he's telling us, guys, as the merchant, that takes faith because you don't know what the future holds. And he says, and he says again, you don't know what, man is ignorant of the future, no matter how many or how you feel like you can predict. And then he talks about the farmer. The farmer, verses 3 to 6. Solomon's going to talk about the faith of a farmer. And Daniel Webster calls farmers the founders of civilization. I like that. And Thomas Jefferson said that they were the chosen people of God. These are farmers. Now, farming has never been easy work, especially in Israel. Now, being a farmer takes a lot of faith. Why? Because nobody can predict the weather. And it's all on the mercy of nature. Now, things have changed as a farmer in our day. Farmers have insurances, and they pay a lot of money for insurance, and if the rain doesn't happen or the crop fails, they still get paid a portion of their money. But think about that. Think about what Solomon's writing. Solomon's going, listen, you're going to be a farmer. You're going to trust. You're going to trust. And Lord, I'm all, I'm, I'm depending on you. This is what he says in verse three. Notice what he says. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls on the south or on the north, in the place where trees fall, there it shall lie. And again, this is very profound. I want you to underline this and let me unpack it here because Solomon is going to contrast the clouds and the trees. Why? Okay, here's what you need to know. Clouds are always changing, aren't they? Sometimes clouds come in, sometimes they go out. You guys know, sometimes you look and go, wow, that's a pretty cloud, and sometimes it's real dark. And and so clouds are always changing. And sometimes they spill water on the earth, and sometimes they don't. Now trees, they're not like clouds. They're more permanent, aren't they? Think about this. This is this is just this is the wisdom of God through Solomon. He says he says here's here's trees are more permanent. They stand in the same place, and if they fall, guess what happens? They lie there and rot. This is what a tree does. I've never seen a tree, you know, walking through and going, "Oh, what are you doing?" Well, I'm going to go die over here. You know, it doesn't. It just this is where you plant it. This is where it is. So listen. The past tree cannot be changed. That's where it is. But the present clouds is available to us and we must seize the opportunity God gives. Guys, think about this. Solomon is just blowing our mind right here because he goes, man, listen, clouds and trees, you get it, right? And here's the problem. The problem is that we're so caught up in the trees that we're missing the clouds. We're so caught up in the past. And, and he says, you can't change the past. Nothing about it you can change. But the clouds, the present, your life today, what could it be? What could it be if you'll open up your heart and surrender to God completely? What could it be if you'll say, God, I'll, uh, here am I, send me. What, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? And he says, man, I've got you exactly where I want you. What do you mean? You see your job? Your job is more than a job. It's a mission field. 
It's where God has you right now so that you can meet people and you can share the gospel and they can see the light of Christ in you. Contrary to what you may have heard, we've got a broken and hurting world in our city right now. They're hurting. They're broken. Now, we walk around and we're like pretty tough and like, no, things are good. Ask somebody. Ask somebody, how you doing? And your go-to response is, I'm good. How are you? That's the go-to. Press them a little bit. No, really. How are you? How you doing? And you might get an earful. Go to the cashier who's working two jobs. He say, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Are you having a good day? No, no, no. How are you doing? What can I pray for? And you'll see tears come down because people are hurting and broken. But that's what your life can be as believers. What opportunities are we? Oh, oh, Lord. What opportunities am I missing, God, because I'm so selfish and self-centered in my life? What, what opportunities to share? Such a beautiful, wonderful message that can change lives because I'm focused on the trees. There's a lot of trees that I want to, I'd like to go back and fix. There's a lot of stuff in my past that I go, man, I wish I went to done that, but I can't. I'll tell you what, the enemy wants to keep the past keep coming up, keep coming up, keep coming up so that we can't move forward in the future. We can't. In verse 4 of Ecclesiastes, he who observes the wind will not sow and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is in the way of the wind and how The bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. What does Solomon say? You go, I don't know, he said a bunch of words. Man, it's so, it's, it's packed full. Notice what he says. Solomon said, don't sit around and wait for the ideal circumstances. Let's just even push this a level forward. Don't sit around and wait for the perfect Christmas. There's no perfect Christmas. Yeah, but I didn't get my G.I. Joe. There's no perfect Christmas. Yeah, but I didn't get my easy bake oven. You know, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just silly. He's saying the wind is never right for the sower and the clouds are never right for the reaper. Just as nobody knows the way of the wind, look at verse 5, where it comes from or where it's going, nobody knows how a baby is formed in the womb. Nobody knows the works of God. But he has a purpose for everything. This is what Solomon's saying. Now I want you to go back just for you and I because this is a great highlighter right here. As you do not know what is in the way of the wind? Everybody see that? And how the bones grow in the womb of, what's that word? Help me, come on. Who? Who? Exactly. In the word of God, where does a baby grow? In the woman. How convenient for the enemy to come in and want to change God's word. Oh no, 
You see that? Even early on in Ecclesiastes, he's going, look, I'm going to impart some wisdom to you, but I wanted, that just jumped out at me because it's like, look, here we are saying, well, boys can have babies. And it's like, no, here, here's what God's word says. How bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. I didn't look it up in the Greek or the Hebrew, but I pretty much bet it's her. Why in the world would we... Oh, I get it. We can change God's world and guess what's going to happen? Then everything falls apart. Everything. If I can create doubt in your mind about God's word, then everything falls apart. Your salvation, where are you going to stand? Look at verse 6. He says, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all day long. For at the end of the day, you may profit from both. That's a great, great, I mean, just think about that. In the morning, he says, go out and work. In the evening, do it, you know, don't withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper. Either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Be good. So what's he saying? He's saying, man, ready? Life is an adventure. Enjoy it. Walk by faith. Trust the Lord. Look for opportunities. There's nothing more satisfying in the world than to lead someone to Christ. There's nothing more satisfying when people stand up and profess Christ. It's just like, wow, Lord, can we do this again? Can we do this again? This is so cool. I love to see people get saved, but I mean really saved. I mean really walking with Jesus. Oh, I won't forget the young girl that stood right here, and she said, and she stood up, man, and she's like, I didn't know what to do. I just felt like I needed to stand, and she prayed, and she prayed to receive Christ, and now she's on that journey, and there's nothing more exciting than that. But there's also, there's nothing more exciting than being able to pray with somebody. And to stop him and go, hey, let's pray right now. Huh? Let's pray right now. I'll pray with you. Really? Yeah. And, I mean, you know, you're at the express checkout line and the cashier needs prayer. Stop and pray. Just wait. Okay, Lord, we're, hold on. You, you can join in. Probably they'll join in. That's where we live. They'll probably join in. You have a big prayer meeting at the grocery store. That'd be awesome. Sometimes we feel like we're blessing people, and I guarantee you we're getting so much blessed in return. In return. So so life is an adventure. Number two, life is a gift. Enjoy it. Look at verse 7. He says, truly the light is sweet, and it is pleasant to the eyes to behold the sun. In other words, he goes, life is good. Life is good. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And then Solomon reminds us why we are having him over for dinner. Look at verse 8. If a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that is coming is vanity. Do you guys see what he said in verse 8? If a man lives many years he and rejoices in them all, he says, hey, let him remember the days of darkness. He said, there's, there's, in other words, you ready? In life, in life, there's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. And there's going to be hard times. It's just part of life. Now, I'm with you. I don't want the bad times. I'm with you. Right? 
celebrate. You know, I mean, that's how I want, right? Good time. That's, you know, but, but, I, but Solomon says, hey, listen, there's going to be some times that are dark. It doesn't mean the end of the world. He says, they're going to come. They're going to come. And now, and then he turns to the young people. Look at verse 9. Rejoice, O young men, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. And you go, Ben, what is he saying? Well, St. Augustine actually summed this verse up. You ready? He said it this way. He said, love the Lord your God and then do what you please. Love the Lord your God then do what you please. Now think about what he just said. Think about what he said. He said, if you're going to love the Lord, what are you going to please? What are you going to do? It, it's not the other way around. It's not do what you please and then, and then say, I love you, God, which a lot of people do. It's love the Lord your God with everything, with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and all of your soul, and then go have fun. Because I guarantee you, if you're loving Jesus, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and go, hey, I'm going to join the hell's angels and go, you know, get on my bike and I'm going to, I'm going to cruise around and kill people. That's not what we do. That's not what we do. If you're loving the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and you have a, come on someone, and you have a relationship with him, you're not going to get up and go, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to have an affair. I think I'm going to ask this girl out. I mean, I think I'm going to, you're not going to do that. So what happens? We forget. We forget our relationship with God. And we allow the world to start pulling us back. And then we find ourselves in places that we don't want to be. Here's my advice to you and to myself. Turn off the noise. Turn off the noise. You go, what, what, is that? what does that look like for you? Social media, it could be whatever it might be, but just turn off the noise. Come back into that relationship with God. Verse 10. Therefore, remove the sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh for a Childhood and youth are vanity. So what's he saying? He says, you ready? Refuse to worry. Come on, someone. Refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. Wait a minute. Solomon didn't talk about exercise. And, you know, no, 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 he did. He said, he said therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. Right? And those Snickers in my office are evil, I'm telling you right now. I walk by and I'm like, and they start calling me, Pastor Ben. They even know I'm a pastor and they're like, hey, chocolate? And I'm like, get behind me in my pocket and I'll eat you later. But the part I have a problem with is refusing to worry. Some of us have the gift of worry. We just worry. And he says, he says, remove sorrow. Don't worry. And keep your body healthy. He says, but remember, all your life without the Lord, it's meaningless. 
So what does Solomon remind us? You ready? As we close. Life is an adventure. Live it by faith. Be proactive. Ask the Lord, God, who, where, where should I go? What do you, what do you want me to do? You know, you think it's silly when you go, Lord, I need to go to the store. Where should I go? Should I go to Walmart? Should I go to so, so, whatever it might be? Ask the Lord. Why? Because he might be directing you somewhere else. You go, Ben, that's silly. No, no, because here's the thing. There might be a divine appointment for somebody that he has for you. Because listen, we should all be doing the Lord's work. We should all be sharing God's love. We should always, and, and not only that, I don't think I'm going to attract anybody if I have the Christian Eeyore mentality. Okay, I'm not, people aren't going to go, oh, you're so full of light. What's going on? What are you, if I'm walking around going, yeah, how are you doing? I'm a Christian. Yeah, you want to be a Christian? I don't know. You want to be a Christian? You know, no, nobody wants to do that. So that means that, that, that something is, is distinguish, is, is extinguishing my light. The light of the, of the Holy Spirit. I've got to, okay, what is it? What is it? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that want to, to quench that light in me. There's a lot of things. And I have to be aware of that. Okay. Okay. All right, Lord. Let me be the light of the world. Whatever divine appointment. And a divine appointment to you could just be simple as saying, how you doing? You okay? Hope you have a great day. Hope you have a great day. That's all. A divine appointment can even be more where you're, where somebody says, hey, can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? Divine appointment can be you lead someone to Jesus. I'm so excited one day to get to heaven and just see people who go, hey, I heard you on the radio. Hey, I listened to you at this church. Hey, you don't know me, but I gave my life to the Lord because, and I'm going, not because of me, but because I was faithful to honor God. That's all. Just faithful to honor God. So if life is an adventure, pursue Christ with all of your life. When you said, I give you all of my life, that's every bit of it. Every bit of it. Now, number two, life is a gift. I'm telling you, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Hey, when was the last time you laughed so hard? You just laughed so hard. You just, I don't know why we don't laugh anymore. We're just all, we're uptight. Everything is uptight. But when was the last time we just enjoyed somebody's company? Man. Even if you shoot a plus 25 on the golf game, even if, and that's only in the front nine, even if you do that, you still can enjoy somebody's company. When was the last time? If life is a gift, why are we not enjoying it? It's Christmas, and we have the greatest gift, the Lord Jesus, in our hearts. What else matters? What else matters? 
Jesus. Jesus. Can I get an amen? Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord God, that we're able to um, be on Facebook and secure the podcast and and be taught your word, Lord. Lord, the enemy tried to use just just so much technology, Lord, which is good, to keep us from your word. But Lord, your word went forth, Lord Solomon told us. And so, Lord, I thank you. Father, we love you. And I have to be honest with you. Without you, life isn't an adventure. Life is monotonous. Life is boring. And so I've got to stop and ask myself this question in church. Ask yourself this question with every eye closed and every head bowed. Um, Do you have an amazing, intimate, wonderful relationship with Jesus? Have you made that commitment where you said, I'm going to follow you. Where you go, I will follow. Where you lead me, I'm right behind you. If you're here tonight and maybe your relationship is is not really a relationship, like like you're doing the Christian thing, man, but but it's not a relationship like like when you read his word, it's just not it's just not speaking to you like it used to, or or it's not speaking to you at all. Hey, I want to invite you into a relationship with God. You see, the devil's going to come and say, hey, all those trees in your life, man, all those trees, hey, nothing you can do about it. You're going to just be stuck in the trees, man, and they're going to fall and you're going to rot there, and that's all your past. But I'm telling you, the devil's going to come and say, man, God is mad at you because of all of those trees. But I'm here to tell you, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he's standing with his arms open wide and he says, I desire a relationship, but I'm not going to force myself on you. I want you to say yes to me. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that says, Pastor, would you just pray for me? I don't have that relationship. I, I'm saved, but I don't have that relationship that you were talking about. I would, I want that. I want to think about him. I want to talk about him. I want to go on dates with him. I want to, I want to walk with him. I want to read his word. I want him to talk to me. And I don't want that just a one-time thing. I want to do that daily, every day. And I want to picture my Jesus just smiling at me and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Awesome. Awesome. And I want to be so in tune with his Holy Spirit that if he tells me to go here, I'll go here. If he tells me not to go to that store, I won't. Lord, I pray. If you don't have that relationship, can I pray for you? You go, well, what do I have to do? Listen, this is not a salvation message. It's just you saying yes to Jesus for a, for a different type of relationship. And I would just ask that you would raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'll acknowledge you. And I'll just pray for you. If you if you want that relationship that, that we talked about today, would you just lift up your hand right now and say, Ben, would you just pray for me? I want that deep, intimate relationship with God. God bless you. God bless you. 
brother and sister over there. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm just going to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. I want a different relationship, God. I want to know you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Father, I thank you for these hands that were raised, God. And today they declare a declaration, God, that they want a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. They don't just want to know you as Elohim. They want to know you as Adonai. They want to know you as Yahweh. And so, God, today, would you just move mightily in their heart, Lord? And it starts with just a little thing. It starts with getting up and saying, God, let's have a cup of coffee. Jesus, come and have a cup of coffee. Share. I just want to share with you. I want to share what's going on in my heart. I'm not looking for a genie. I'm not looking for somebody that I'm going to ask for this and ask for that and ask for this. I'm just, I just want to share what's going on in my heart, my dreams and my hopes. And Lord, these people that raise their hands, Lord, would you just fall afresh on them today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a beautiful service. Thank you for a great worship time. And so, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.